Welcome to the Style Stories podcast with me, your host, personal stylist, Lisa Gilby. This is a podcast that discusses style, image and fashion. We cover other topics too when I have guests on, but the main thing is we are all passionate about fashion and how what you wear can totally transform how you feel. It's one of the more joyful things in life. This podcast is packed full of tips and tricks to get your wardrobe looking and feeling like you, to cut through all the choice in the shops and find out what is authentically you and your personal style. Today I'm joined by fellow female entrepreneur Hannah Pern. She's local to me here in London. I invited her on the podcast because I'm doing a few bonus episodes where I'm talking to female entrepreneurs who have smashed it during lockdown and created a really good business. Now she had this business before, she's an acupuncturist, but it really gained momentum during lockdown and she's doing so well. But of course, this is the Style Stories podcast. So the main story here is about Hannah's passion for fashion. She really is on the same page as me. She believes it can be joyful, transformative. Well, she knows it's joyful and transformative. Gives you confidence. And if she wasn't being an acupuncturist, she would be doing something in fashion. She talks about how she's just going to get wackier and wackier and more confident with her style as she gets older, which I love. So today I'm asking her the origin story of her business, how it became so successful, how she got into acupuncture and how she feels about fashion and what her fashion style story is. That's a lot, a lot of questions. A lot of questions. I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> it's all right. out there. Um, so I got into acupuncture when I was pregnant with my daughter. So my daughter's now about to be 18 and um, I had acupuncture to go into labor with her and um, I'd never had treatment before. I had like two or three treatments and went into labor on my due date and had a really straightforward, brilliant, empowering labor with my first child. So it really kind of blew my mind actually as to what had happened and what it was all about. And so fast forward a couple of years, I had a second child and I'd been working as a charity. I was a charity fundraiser, an event fundraiser. And I had two children at home. I'm from uh, up north, so we had no family in London. And so me and my partner had to decide about, well, who's going to do child, like, how are we going to do this? We've got two kids. Childcare was so expensive for two of them because they were quite close in age. So I decided that I was going to give up works because we just couldn't, you know, there was no, there was no financial benefit to going to work and it would, it was going to be very stressful. So I decided, right, I'm going to give up work. But I also decided that I can't give up work without a plan. So I thought, right, now is the time to kind of like change everything that I do and an opportunity to kind of, you know, do something different. So I literally spent the year on maternity leave with my son going through every single uh, type of career that known to man. So I was like police officer. I went teacher. I went curtain maker. I like literally went through the careers website thinking, what can I do? And and I just happened at like on a light bulb moment of acupuncture. And I was like, oh my God, I've been having treatment consistently since um, I had my daughter. And I just thought, shit, yeah, I'm going to retrain. I'm going to do it. And that was 10 years ago. I graduated 10 years ago this year. And since then, I guess what's happened is my business has grown alongside my family. So I started off treating in my upstairs bedroom and I used to treat in the evening when the kids had gone to bed or try and juggle it so that if they were in nursery or they were at school, I would try and work at school. And then as they've got older, I've been able to dedicate more time to sort of growing my business. And then they're all now at secondary school. So really it's kind of like a combination of the pandemic, 
my kids being at secondary school there's just like a lot of things that have come together that that I suddenly was like right I'm going for it now I'm really gonna go and push my business so in the pandemic we got shut down so before I went into the pandemic it was just me I'd become a fertility specialist I'd done some like really intense extra training and I got shut down for about four months and then when I reopened I think I was one of the first people reopened because I was a bit like I'm just going to reopen because I work from I've got a clinic space at home now I've converted mm-hmm. Uh, the garage so it's like a separate space so it felt quite a safe space for people to come into so when the fertility clinics opened again I decided that I was going to open as well um so I practiced from about June of that first lockdown onwards um and business just exploded it was really bizarre I think I don't know what happened, but lots of people were seeking fertility treatment. I think the fact that people weren't able to access it for such a long time really uh, made people feel more anxious about it. And I think the pandemic sort of brought out that kind of like, I'm going for it. It's now or never type of uh, approach. It sort of made people sort of change their their way of thinking, maybe. So whatever reason, we we had an explosion of people coming. So I started running a waiting list. And then I decided I was going to get in another acupuncturist to help me. So I got in a great colleague, Anger, who came in. And then I got another colleague in because we were still so busy. And then I opened a second room in Balham. So we've got a room in Streatham and a room in Balham. And then I brought in a reflexologist. And then we've got another acupuncturist and we've got a nutritionist as well now. So within the space of about less than two years, we literally exploded. Yeah. Funnily enough, I looked at Curtain Maker as well when I was reading. <laughs> it's so bloody expensive to get curtains made I was thinking it can't be that hard can it I made a couple of amazing Roman blinds and then I thought this isn't for me (laughs) I I haven't got the the patience and I'm a bit I'm a bit slapdash to be honest so it would never work because you need precision don't you oh you have to be good at maths yeah and I'm not good at maths either I'm so bad at maths I used to have to get my husband to help me with the maths side of it it just wasn't it just was never going to work yeah so I think I definitely went into the right thing you're obviously really passionate about what you do what about the ages if you're fertility specialist do you get quite a range of ages or is it uh, yeah, we do. I mean, we work a lot with people sort of late 30s, early 40s. So we have a lot, lots of people come to our clinic as kind of like the last resort. You know, they may may have gone through failed treatment. They may have, they're not ready to go for IVF, but they don't want to, you know, but they want to try something that's less invasive. So people often come to our door as like the last ditched attempt and they've heard, you know, oh, I've heard that acupuncture can do something. So they're willing to give it a try. But one of the things that, that sort of came out of, uh, lockdown is that when lockdown happened and I and I had to shut my clinic is I started to do a lot of online work so that's sort of when I got onto you know for years and years and years I'd said I'm not going on that their Instagram you know I'm not it's not for me and then in in lockdown I was like well I've got nothing else to do and I started running courses like free webinars and lives online about PMS period pain fertility, menopause, I started just doing online stuff because I thought, well, I've got all the information and it's a great opportunity to share it. So I also retrained as a fertility um, awareness teacher trainer while it was locked down. And that's all around like understanding your menstrual cycle for your fertility. So a lot of work we do is sort of twofold. So I try and do a lot of education and a lot of awareness raising for people who maybe are like in their late 20s, early 30s about, you know, getting pregnant might not be as straightforward as having unprotected sex, because obviously there's this whole kind of 
missold information that we're given when we're teenagers about, you know, if you have unprotected sex, you're going to get pregnant and, you know, don't worry about your menstrual cycle, just take the pill and you'll be absolutely fine. You know, there's a lot of not great education for women when we're younger. And so what happens is, is that people end, end on this path and then they end up in my clinic desperate because they may feel like they've left it too late and they wish they and lots and lots of people who come into my clinic say I wish I'd have known about this when I was younger so I wish I'd come off the pill when I was younger I wish I'd done more tests on my fertility when I was younger mm. I wish I'd have checked the sperm five years ago you know those kind of conversations are the conversations that we hear in clinic day in day out and so a lot of the work that I do online is all around kind of raising awareness of you know, if your cycle is not good, if you've got an irregular cycle, if you've got painful periods, it's not normal and it needs to be investigated as soon as possible, especially for your health. But also if you're thinking about having a family, the sooner you can address those problems, the better, because we know age is one of the biggest factor that prevents people getting pregnant. So I sort of try and do a bit of both because really I want to put myself out of business. I don't want to put myself out of business, but I do because I don't want people coming in my clinic wishing they'd done more sooner because I want to be addressing that that sort of black hole that exists around you know understanding our cycles well people think they've got lots of time but that's sort of part of our culture they're just like you know I'm not having a baby till at least like I think a lot of people think 30 they'll start thinking about it yeah yeah and in my world, I think you should start thinking about it in your late 20s you might not be ready for it but thinking about well what is my cycle like have I got any problems with it yeah, just just to sort of get your health in order first before yeah. you, you go down the road of many years. And um, the other thing I was going to ask you as well before we go into style, because I, you know obviously it's the style stories, and I want to ask yeah. you about your style. Yeah. Is, um, about acupuncture and the menopause. I'm on HRT. Yeah, great. How are you finding it? Absolutely brilliant, transformative. Yeah. Um, I went into the perimenopause at 44, so I, you know, needed yeah something because I went a bit mental and I couldn't sleep yeah um it wasn't great but yeah. you know that has helped but what about acupuncture yeah again it's a it's a it's a similar thing in that you know I really when people come into my clinic and they're like at the end of their tether it's like I try and get in there before that point so again a lot of the work that we do is about raising awareness that you know if, it's good if you're in your 30s to get your menstrual cycle working for you so that you understand it that you know what is right or wrong because it means that when you get into your 40s you can you know when you're going into the perimenopause and you know what to look out for and you know what to do about it so yes we absolutely do support people with perimenopause issues but again it's you know acupuncture on its own is never going to you know totally get rid of it because perimenopause is a full-on thing that happens it's the you know one of the biggest changes in, in a in a person's life so it's again it's about you know acupuncture to help deal with the stress to help with your sleep to help with the hot sweats but it's also about nutrition and I'm a massive fan of using uh HRT alongside that to really you know get the best because it's again it's about a bit like when you're going through fertility treatment you need to bring in everything that is available to you rather than just think oh, I'm going to go down the alternative route I'm a really big believer of using all the tools that are out there and educating yourself so you've got full control and empowerment about what is happening because so many people in our clinic don't even necessarily link the way that they're feeling to being perimenopausal 
And obviously, you know, most of my friends are going through it. I'm going through it. I'm not on HRT yet, but I'm waiting. I'm not at all averse to it. But I know my cycle really well. I know that I've noticed, you know, I get increased anxiety if I've had a glass of wine. I get insomnia if I, if I drink wine. There's things that are happening. And I've just got a real awareness that if they get really bad, I'm, I, I know exactly where I'm going and I know what to ask for. But lots of people in my clinic have you know, given up work. They're having hot flushes. They've been told no by their GP. They can't possibly be perimenopausal. They're too young. You know, they've not sort of been treated well. It's the same with at the beginning of our teenage lives. You know, when we start having periods, it's like there's a real kind of lack of information and education at, at, at both ends. And it's about really knowing what's going on and knowing what you can do to help yourself that gives you the best approach, I think. I mean, I think it's changing because people are talking about it so yeah. much more openly now. Thank goodness. Like my Yeah. My, my mother's generation never would have done my dad always used to say when it comes to sort of you know taking medicine and what you know getting help if there's help there take it yeah and a lot of people don't yeah lots of people are really afraid there's a lot you know I've got a few people in my clinic who have been resistant to HRT because of the fear-mongering that went on around it you know with its links to breast cancer and there's so much stuff out there that have kind of refuted all of that and I think if it's debilitating your life to the point where you feel not so many people say, I don't know what it is, but I just don't feel myself. And it's that kind of like, because it's such a slow, it can be so slow that you don't, might not necessarily realize that yeah. the way that you're feeling is not because, you know, your partner is an absolute arsehole. It's just, it's actually, well, it really might be, but it, you know, a lot of the time it's that you, it's, it's slowly happened and you, you, you know, lots of people always, the first person they blame is themselves and they think it's something to do with them as opposed to a physiological change that's happened in their body that makes them think in a certain way because you know estrogen really affects every single body function whether it's your sleep your thinking your thoughts who you like what you like your digest you know it's everything so it's it's really important to have an awareness of it I have lived through exactly what you're saying yeah. I, I, I mean it changed my personality yeah and that's I didn't what know so what many people say I completely changed into a person I was not yeah and I didn't understand what was going on and I just thought that I wasn't happy in my marriage yeah and all of that and it and it yeah. just wasn't the case it was just it was this the estrogen leaving my body yeah yeah and you know and but I thought I was too young because of the lack of information around it yeah and, and I mean what is it something like I can't remember what the statistic is 40% of women are put on antidepressants first yeah because everybody assumes that it's, like I say, everyone assumes it's them and it's their mental health. And yes, there is an element to that, but it, that, that root cause is, is often hormonal, not yeah. psychological. And that, you know, and that's what acupuncture and the way we work in clinic, we're really bloody brilliant at that because we get to the root cause of what's going on. We really, you know, we spend a lot of time with the people that we work with so that we might be able to point out, actually, we don't think this is depression or anxiety or it is depression and anxiety, but it's not, it's, it's got a hormonal element to it. And that needs to be addressed because antidepressants alone are not going to sort this situation out. And, and that's what happens, is it? People start taking antidepressants and they don't feel better. And they're like, well, why, where do I but go? Now? I wonder if, you know, marriages must break up and all sorts from... Oh, yeah. Marriages break up. Women give up their jobs, you know. And this is the point of our lives where we're like the best because we've got experience, we've got knowledge, you know, we've got power, we've got confidence. And all of that can go because we're, the hormones become deficient. So it's really, really bloody unfair. Yeah, and that's what I mean for me. HRT is just yeah, 
Yeah, it's completely changed yeah. my life, actually. Yeah. And, you know, now I've got the estrogen that I need. And it was yeah. the lack of sleep. The, the big red flag for me was the fact that I just couldn't sleep. Yeah. I and mean, I would lie happened. there in a state of rest every night, but I couldn't drop off to sleep. And it went yeah. on and on and on. Yeah. And that's when I went to the, the GP. But actually, my GP was pretty good. And they just. Oh, that's really good. Away. Yeah. yeah. Good. So I didn't have problems with that. But talking about feeling yourself, this is a good segue into feeling yourself and how clothes make you feel because this is something I'm really hot on yeah menopause as well do you see what I did there That's yeah I like it it's nice um so basically clothes make you feel like yourself they can make you feel confident they can be a tool for success I just think they have helped me in so many situations through life when I used to work at Coots Bank many many years ago and I was insecure about my Essex accent everyone else around me was kind of um this is a bit of a curveball but it's just popped into my head yeah double barreled sort of posh speaking and I was insecure and I just dressed the part I used clothes to kind of dress better than everyone else it kind of elevated me and it gave me confidence yeah so I'm really passionate about what clothes can do for you and when people think it's frivolous personally I don't get it but you know yeah just because I've got experience of using them as a tool for success and it always can really boost me. If I go to a party or something, I feel like a bit, I'm not wearing the right thing. That can yeah. really ruin my night. Yeah. Um, so I just want to know really about you and your yeah. style journey, Hannah. Let's talk now about style. Well, it's a funny one. I was thinking about this this morning when I was contemplating uh, this chat. So I absolutely bloody love clothes. I mean, uh, if, yes. if I'm not talking women's health, my second best thing and the second <laughs> thing that I spend the vast majority of my time thinking about, it is fashion. And if I had my time again and I wasn't an acupuncturist, then I would definitely like to work in the world of fashion because I absolutely love it. And it's it's funny because when I was younger and when I was a teenager and a student, I never had any money. And, and actually I graduated and I lived overseas for a long time. So I was always like, never bothered about it, always skin, war, whatever. And then and then I moved to London when I came back from over, being overseas. And it kind of like, you know, I grew up in Macclesfield. We had one top shop in Macclesfield and that was it. Yeah. Nothing else. And so, you know, it-, it But it a just, lifeline, top shop was a lifeline. It was a lifeline, yes. yeah. But then I think when I moved to London, it like it was like this switch had gone on and I was like, oh, my God, this is this is it. And and obviously, as I've got older, I've had a bit more money to spend. And to be honest, I would prioritize spending money on clothes over most other things because, you know, self-care. I talk about self-care all the time in my clinic. It comes in many shapes and forms. And there is no one thing that is the right thing. It's whatever brings you joy and pleasure. And my number one would be my fashion so um I love it and I I totally get what you say like when I go to clinic when I'm in clinic I always make sure that I look nice that I've got something on and then it you know I really spend time thinking about what I'm wearing on a probably a bit too much can you think about it too much I spend a lot of time thinking about it I'm not thinking about periods I'm thinking about dresses about clothes clothes. and I know you like yellow that's a bit in your brand isn't it yeah I love yellow it's my it is literally my favorite my front door is yellow my fridge is yellow lots of my (laughs) is yellow lots of my wardrobe is yellow I mean sometimes it's a bit too much like my family like that is actually too much too much yellow like you can't you can't (laughs) it can't be too much uh yeah yellow I, my two things are yellow and jumpsuits like I have got 
I can't even tell you how many jumpsuits I've got, but I've got a lot of jumpsuits. You love a jumpsuit. I love a jumpsuit. Yeah. And how is how has it though? So your style evolved from you having being absolutely skint, having one yeah. top shop in Macclesfield, and then now you're like you're in London, you're like a kid in a sweet shop. Yeah, you've got all of it. So to you, it's really important. So it's not an aside. I mean, it just. No. Sorry, sorry. The phone's going off. It's going to stop in a sec. We're on Zoom. We're on Zoom. So it's not an aside. It's really important, really powerful. And what you know, what couldn't you be without in your wardrobe? Is have you got a go-to outfit? Would it be a jumpsuit? Is that it would what? Be, it would definitely be a jumpsuit. And um, I've got a yellow jumpsuit from LF Markey. Um, and it's like a zip-up boiler suit. Um, and it's mustard yellow. I've had it for about. It was really expensive. Uh, and I, but I've had it for about five years and I bring it out. I wear it in winter. I wear it in summer with sandals. Like it's my go-to. I sometimes I wear a polar neck underneath it. I still love it so much, even today. Because it epitomizes you. What, what would you, why do you think you love that so much? Is it because it's like just your. I, well, I like it because it's like a jumpsuit. So, you know, like I'm like 48, I'm going to be 49 in January. And, you know, there's, I never get that thing around oh, you can't dress in a certain way because of your age. I'm like, no, I'm not paying any attention to any of that bullshit. I'm like, I will wear whatever I want to wear. And I like a jumpsuit because it makes me, it does make me feel a bit young. And I'm going to say the word funky. So I'm just going to use it. I use that word as well. It's all right, isn't it, to use that word? I think so. It makes me feel a bit young. It makes me feel like a bit like, you know, I'm not sort of giving in to like the middle-aged sort of boringness and it's yellow. So it just, you know, it brings me joy and, and it's comfy and it's practical. So that is exactly, this is something that is a lot of people struggle with. They're like, I don't want to look frumpy. A lot of people have got a, a problem with that word. Now. Yeah. 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 But I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm going, I'm, you know, I sort of feel like the older I've got, the more confident I've got to go a bit sort of out there, you know, like to kind of, you know, wear something brighter or bolder or, you know, a bit more edgy because I'm just like, what that is a beautiful thing about getting older is that I give less of a shit about yes. what people think. And I quite like sort of being a bit, you know, outrageous. Like I keep wanting to go like really big, brightly colored glasses, but I'm like, no, save that for your fifties. You've got a couple yeah. of, but you know, like I've got a look I'm going for. You might have nothing left in the bag for your fifties. Exactly. I'm saving, I'm saving. My fringe has started to go higher as I've got older. So I'm thinking I'm going to go like high fringe. I'm going to go sharp bob, big glasses and like a really like white hair or maybe like a red hair, like Wrong. a yeah, and that's and so I'm going that direction. I'm not going. I'm not going quietly. I'm going boldly. Well, I'm interested in this because I want to talk a bit more about this because I've basically a lot of people. I've run style courses and all of that. And what people think is, when you get older and you're more grown up, your yeah. style needs to be more grown up. Yeah. Therefore, you have to dress more classic. Yeah. What you've just said completely debunks that <laughs> which I love because I'm yeah. the same I'm in your boat I think I want to wear more I want to wear bolder things I want to wear yeah. big dresses with a large belt I want to just do you know my yeah. thing yeah I do want to look a, a, a bit sexy as well I want to carry on you know just but I'm not going to go more classic because it's not my style but people think yeah and it's not my style either you know like it's not because I'm like uh you know I'm from Macclesfield so you know there's I can't go classic because it's not in it's not it's not who I am in any way shape or form because I'm not like that I'm not a sophisticated classic person I'm like a, you know I'm like a 
like just want to do something a bit different person is what I'm going to do. So I get it. I get, understand the classic. And whenever I see someone looking classic, I think, oh my God, look amazing. Like I've just been in Italy and the women in Italy look absolutely bloody amazing. But I would not look that good if I wore okay. that because it's not, it doesn't suit me as a, it doesn't suit my personality. So, you know, when I see those, in, you know, those, those like anti-aging people that you see on Instagram, who've gone like totally like out there. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's where I'm going. You know, yeah, like, I'm going that way. Prue Leith is like my um, style icon for an older woman who absolutely is nailing it. Not necessarily, you know, I think, yeah, that's where I'd go. I mean, maybe I'm following the wrong people on Instagram at the moment, but I feel like everyone is wearing just, you know, all neutrals. Like everything's just the same. Like everyone's yeah. got an oversized blazer. Everyone's got a tank top. with it. It's all the same at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe yeah. I just need to switch up my feed a bit, but I'm just... Yeah. <laughs> you know I need to follow Prue Leaf <laughs> or someone I yeah so I mean that's sort of a bit extreme for me I'm I'm a relaxed dresser yeah but I definitely want as I'm getting older to just be a bit more experimental and that's about finding your style like you said like something I do on one of my courses is get everyone to sort of think about their influences and you yeah. know what music they listen to and you're influenced by where you grew up your style is your identity yeah you know yeah, yeah absolutely yeah yeah so, you know it's how you express yourself to the world it's how you can influence others by what you're wearing as well yeah. you know I think you can make yourself look approachable you can make yourself look more authoritative there are all different ways you can yeah. use and, it and also like a big part of the work that I do is around you know speaking to women because let's face it most people in my clinic are women around looking at you know looking it's okay to invest in yourself it's okay to nurture yourself whether you do that with clothes whether you do that with a facial whether you do it with mass you know like it's a really really good thing to put yourself at the top of your list and if you don't do it nobody else is going to do it and you know we talk about that a lot whether you're somebody who's trying to get pregnant or whether you're someone who's got painful periods it's about prioritizing your own needs and whether that's fashion or whatever it's really important and so that's what I always think when I'm in clinic I think yeah I want to look nice and I want to look like I've really paid attention to what I look like because I really do care about it and it makes me feel good and if I feel good then I feel in a good place to support other people or, or help other people so it's all it is all really really linked together it makes you feel more productive makes you feel yeah. more confident and this is the fact, this is the thing that makes me sad is that people do put they think dressing well is frivolous because I think spending money on clothes is frivolous but it's actually investing in yourself that's exactly yeah. what it is yeah and it's not you know so what if you want to treat yourself to a dress like people feel bad and they leave it like you say to the bottom of the list yeah yeah, you know, yeah. I think when you've got young kids people do that anyway yeah um, I, I, yeah they, they do they people do do that a lot and I was always a bit like I guess it's a good thing that my mom taught me is always about it's okay to look after yourself. You know, she she was good at doing it. And I think that's a, a good thing that she passed on. And when when my kids were little, I still spent money on clothes because I knew that I it made me feel better. And if I felt better, then I was in a happier place and I had more patience and I could be a better mom and I could, you know, have have more time. And, you know, it wasn't about buying something ridiculously expensive. It was just about feeling nice and good about myself. It has such a knock-on effect to every decision that you make and every action that you take in your life yeah 100 percent. we're definitely the same school of thought Hannah 100 <laughs> percent. I just want to fire some questions it's been really really interesting before I do I'm going to fire some questions at you I yeah. like to ask people about advice and things like that 
but where can people find you and I'll um, put it in the in the notes under the yeah. podcast as well so I am hannahpern.com we've got two clinics in Streatham and in Ballam but we also do lots of online work so if you're not local you can either have an online appointment with us or you can join one of our courses we do lots of free courses on education and awareness raising about pregnancy fertility menstrual cycles so yeah find us online okay amazing and then what I've been doing recently is something about helping people to when I ask them to find their personal style it's sort of like where do I start so one thing you can do that's really really good and easy is to sort of boil it down and describe your how you want to dress describe your style in three words so mine would be relaxed feminine edgy for example so Uh, I did a reel on this last week on Instagram yeah and it was pop it was really popular because it just it helps you to really focus in a simple bite-sized way it's like how do you want to dress do you want to dress classic polished this is a no for you yeah you know but how the three words can really help to get clarity on your personal style and how you want to dress. So uh, what, what would you be your three words? Mine would be something like different, like stand out yeah. different, uh, unique. It's probably the same thing. And um, can I say funky? Is fun- funky is such a no, bad word. I, can't think, of I think funky is from our generation. You know, if I said Len, for example, that's what the kids are saying. Oh, now. is it? I don't you even look, know that apparently one. Apparently, if you look fit, if you look hot, you're Len. Right. L-E-N-G. Maybe it's a like, London thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, they would, they, would be my, they would be my three. Right. Okay. And I think that's definitely, I'd agree with that. And then your favourite film of all time. Well, this is a bit of a curve, but I can't, I'm not a very good film watcher. I don't have the, I can't sit and watch films because I just, my brain is too busy a lot of the time. So, um, but I am a massive Marvel fan. My kids have got me into Marvel. So my all time favorite film is Thor Ragnarok because it's got everything. It's got, you know, nice looking men. It's hilarious. It's fun. It's yeah. Oh, I wasn't expecting that. That's a curve. Yeah. Okay, favourite book? So it's Margaret Atwood. Um, uh, oh my God, I've just forgotten the name of it again. Handmaid's Tale. Handmaid's no. Tale, of course. How could I forget? Yeah. Yes. I've watched all the TV. Yeah. As well, have you? I've read the yeah. book and I've watched Yeah, amazing. Absolutely yeah. amazing. And kind of scarily could, be, could happen. Yeah. It's very, I love anything to do with Margaret Atwood. I'm a big reader. I'm a much bigger reader than I am a film watcher. And yeah, anything to do with Margaret Atwood. But that book is amazing yeah yeah I lot in there. love that book and this is this is my favorite what is because you get some golden nuggets out of people when you ask this what is the best piece of advice yeah been given well you know what I think it's just go for it right because yeah I think you know you can spend a lot of time overthinking everything and talking yourself out of anything. And I think one thing that I've realized that I can do lots and lots of things that I can't do, but the one thing that I can do and a real kind of uh, thing that was passed to me by my mom is just go for it, just do it. And just I think that stands you in good stead because it might not it might not work out. You'll probably get it wrong and I've got it wrong so many times, but it, I, 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 yeah, I am quite good at just going for it and having a go and seeing what happens. I'm the same, definitely. And I think, you know, it's better to just go for it and have yeah. a go. And if yeah. you fail, you can then learn from that. 
yeah rather than wondering why and thinking I wish I had done it thank you so much that was so interesting thanks. oh you're welcome thanks for having me I'll see you out on the common next time oh my exercise. god yeah I'll see you soon see you soon thanks I hope you enjoyed our chat today and if any of these issues affect you check out Hannah's website Hannah Pern that's p-e-a-r-n Com. Next time on the podcast, it's all about back to work. We're going back to work September after the summer holidays, and I'm going to be discussing what you need in your wardrobe to get a really good, elevated, smart, casual wardrobe. So tune in next time. Thanks so much for listening. Please do leave me a review and subscribe. It would mean the absolute world to me. Take care.